everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of Doctor Who Panel to Panel. This is Jeremy Bement, your host, welcoming you to episode 171. And in this episode, we are celebrating the anniversary of Doctor Who. The anniversary is still a few weeks away, but I am jumping the gun and putting out my celebration of the 60th anniversary of Doctor Who right now. And here is what we have in store. We're going to start out like we always do by taking a look at the news and find out what is new in the world of Doctor Who comic news and comic related stuff. And then we are going to do a couple reviews. We are going to go into the Matrix to take a look at two classic stories. First story we're going to take a look at is one that I can't believe that I have not reviewed until this very point. Um, it's almost like I forecasted that this was going to happen and the Star Beast was going to be on TV and I should hold off reviewing it until right before the episode drops. So we are going to take a look at Doctor Who and the Star Beast. This is the classic Fourth Doctor and Sharon story from way back in the right around 1980 in Doctor Who magazine. And then we're going to kind of take an offshoot and go uh, tangent to the story and take a look at a uh, story called The Ratings War. This was a big finish audio that was a special release that came out on a CD that was with Doctor Who magazine issue number 313 back in 2002. It is a kind of a sequel of sorts to The Star Beast, so I thought it'd be a good time to listen to this audio, which I haven't listened to for a long, long time, and uh, fill you in about this story, maybe make you interested in it as well. And then we're going to have the main feature. This is something I've wanted to do for a long time. I was able to track down Ed Hammond. Those of you who probably don't know Ed Hammond by name, but he is somebody who is very important, at least to me, in the world of Doctor Who comic strips. Ed is the person who's in charge of the collected editions from Panini. And he is the one who kind of oversees all the Doctor Who trade paperbacks and collected editions that Panini puts out, including those that wonderful uh, complete Daleks two-volume set and the complete Cybermen uh, book that just came out recently. And I've wanted to talk to Ed to find out how he got his job, how they come up with the ideas for uh, what they're going to put out in trade paperback form or collected edition. And now that we're kind of nearing the end of them putting out a lot of the uh, content from Doctor Who magazine in collected editions of some sort, what's in store for Panini putting out new collected editions and what do they have in, in uh, mind for the future? So I hope you enjoy this uh, interview, this chat I had with Ed Hammond as much as I enjoyed chatting with him. It was a wonderful uh, time to chat. And I hope you enjoy this, this interview. I hope you enjoy this episode as well. I hope you uh, would do me a huge favor. And with the Star Beast now showing up on uh, our TV screens here in just a few weeks, it's a perfect time to introduce people who are Doctor Who fans to the world of Doctor Who comics. And if you listen to this podcast, uh, I want you to know that I appreciate each and every one of you as listeners. But I also want you to know that you are a, a very small niche market in the world of Doctor Who. And I think we can grow this interest in Doctor Who comics right now. And I would like your help. Um, please, if you find a Doctor Who fan who is going to watch the Star Beast and enjoy the episode, uh, pass along a, a Doctor Who comic and say, you know, there's a lot more Doctor Who comics out there that continue stories featuring your favorite Doctor. If you're a fan of the 14th Doctor or the 10th Doctor or the 4th Doctor or the 13th Doctor, any of them. There are plenty of Doctor Who comics out there. Pass along a book to somebody who's a Doctor Who fan and encourage them to try it out. Uh, and even more beneficial to me, uh, there's a little bit of self-servant right here, uh, please let them know about my podcast and uh, have them download an episode to listen to. If they have a particular story that they enjoyed and I did a review of it, have them download that episode. If they uh, have a favorite writer or artist who has done Doctor Who comics, make sure they listen to that episode. Uh, I would love to see more listeners. This is the perfect time to grow my, my listener base, and I can't do that without your help. So please do me a favor and uh, pass along this episode to somebody who is a Doctor Who fan. And let's see if I can, uh, if we can grow Doctor Who comics and make them more popular than what they are now. So with this intro out of the way, let us, let's get into this episode. 
And Doctor Who comic news for this episode of Doctor Who Panel to Panel. Let's do like we always do. We'll start out by taking a look at the calendar and seeing what has come out and what will be coming out in uh, upcoming releases. For the month of November, over here in the States, on Wednesday, November 1st, Doctor Who magazine issue number 593 was released in uh, comic shops. So, if you are a collector of Doctor Who magazines and uh, get a subscription through your comic shop, issue number 593 just headed your way. And then we're going to take a look. This upcoming week is a big one on Wednesday, November 8th. In comic stores, Dan Slott's Once Upon a Time Lord uh, the story written by Dan Slott with art by Christopher Jones and Mike Collins and Matthew Dow Smith uh, will be released in uh, comic shops and it should also be coming for those of you who may have ordered on Amazon or uh, any other way. You'll be able to pick it up then and there. The following day on Thursday, November 9th, those of us who buy Doctor Who magazine over in the UK or digitally, uh, issue number 597 gets released. Brand new issue. This is the issue that is the one for, I guess, that should be tying in with the anniversary of Doctor Who, since this is the magazine that comes out right before the 23rd. So I'm sure this will be as good an issue as it always is. And then let's jump ahead to the actual anniversary of Doctor Who on uh, Thursday, November 23rd. That is when BBC Books is putting out the Rose hardcover. This is the Target novelization uh, coffee table picture book with art by Robert Hack. Beautiful, wonderful illustrations. Um, this is the story, of course, uh, that introduces the Ninth Doctor. And um, I know I have my copy on pre-order. Who knows when it'll be coming out over here in the States. But those of you over in the UK, it'll be coming out on Thursday, the 23rd of November. In other Doctor Who comic news or comic-related news, those of you who are looking for some Doctor Who comic stuff uh, really cheap should go check out Humble Bundle. On the Humble Bundle website, there is a Doctor Who bundle, which includes not only uh, Doctor Who comics from the likes of Titan Comics, but also some uh, role-playing game source books and also some Big Finish audios. And all you have to do is make a donation to children in need via the Humble Bundle site, and you will get a bunch of uh, easy-to-download uh, PDFs and uh, MPEG files and stuff uh, that you can get uh, a lot of Doctor Who uh, content really, really cheap, and the money goes to a good cause. So make sure you check out HumbleBundle.com and do a search for Doctor Who, and you should be able to find it. Uh, make sure you do that as quickly as you can because I don't believe that offer is going to be around for too much longer. In other news, uh, those of you over in the UK should be uh, on the lookout for the new Doctor Who, uh, The Underwater Menace animated DVD, which just came out. I believe that uh, people over in the UK have just started receiving it. Those of us here in the States will probably be waiting a little while longer. Um, but there is also a rumor going around, uh, a long-standing rumor, uh, that has gained some traction again thanks to the Daily Mirror, uh, that the uh, Celestial Toymaker is going to be showing up as an animated uh, release at some point soon due to the fact that the Toymaker is going to be showing up in the anniversary specials. So that is uh, another kind of news or rumor, take it as you will. And that is it for Doctor Who comic news. I do want to sneak in one other thing. It's kind of a mini review, but it's also news because um, I did find out that there was a book that came out not too long ago called Who's 60? A Celebration of Who's by Tim Quinn and Dickie Howitt. This book came out from Viking Press Comics Limited or New Haven Publishing, ltd.com. And this is kind of a special anniversary collection of Doctor Who comic strips uh, from the wonderful creative duo of Tim Quinn and Dickie Howitt. They did a lot of Doctor Who comic strips back uh, in the 80s for Doctor Who magazine. And they put together this really nice hardcover book that uh, has a lot of old comic strips, but also some new content in it as well. And it's a, a nice, wonderful collection of uh, their funny sense of humor and uh, just wonderful comic strips. I just discovered, uh, thanks to uh, John Freeman for mentioning this on his website or on uh, social media, 
it caused me to take a look at Amazon, and I found a copy of this book for $14.95, uh, which is a, a really good deal. So I just wanted to make sure that people know that this book is out there on Amazon uh, really cheap. It's a good sale, and um, it's a wonderful book. I'm glad to have it on my bookshelf next to the other collection of Doctor Who comic strips that came out from Milk Publishing that featured uh, the comic strips from Tim Quinn and Dickie Howitt. So um, if you are looking for something to buy uh, that's not too expensive to help celebrate the anniversary, there you go. Head to Amazon and do a search for Who's 60, W-H-O apostrophe S, 60. And that's it for the news. Let's continue on with this episode. It's time to go into the Matrix on this episode of Doctor Who Panel to Panel. And surprisingly enough, going back through my list of comics that I reviewed, I have never done a review of Doctor Who and the Star Beast. And with the upcoming anniversary special just right around the corner, just a few weeks away from right now, there's no better time than right now to review this this uh, story. So let's go into the Matrix, and we are going to take a look at Doctor Who and the Star Beast. This story was written by Pat Mills and John Wagner. At least they have the credits, and uh, uh, supposedly Pat Mills is the the main writer on this one, with art by Dave Gibbons, uh, and editor was Paul Neary. This originally appeared in Doctor Who magazine or Doctor Who Weekly. Issues 19 through 26, way back in, uh, starting in February of 1980 through April of 1980. This story has been reprinted more times than I can count, I think. Uh, it's just, there's way too many different places where this was reprinted, whether it be in the 1980s Marvel Comics, Doctor Who comics that were coming out, uh, when Doctor Who was really popular here in the States, whether it was reprinted in trade paperback form or when IDW got the rights to Doctor Who comics, they reprinted it in comic book and trade paperback form. But right now, the easiest way to get this, if you're over in the UK, the Fourth Doctor archives uh, or collected edition from uh, Panini just came out. And that is the, the best place to find it. It's promoted right there on the cover. And uh, you can grab it that way. Over here in the States... If you go to your local comic book store, chances are you can find it in back issue bins or you can find a a collected edition that has it. So make sure you check it out. Um, We're going to do a review of this this story. And although I do not know uh, how the the episode is going to be, for those of you who don't want to be spoiled, you might want to skip ahead uh, five to ten minutes and... um, Avoid the the plot synopsis, which I'm going to go through right now. Thank you to alteredvistas.co.uk for providing this plot synopsis. An alien spacecraft plummets down onto Black Castle in the north of England, crashing in the steelworks. Next day, on their way to school, Sharon and Fudge discover the wounded Meep hiding in a shed. Fudge is all for setting it to the local pet shop, or selling it to the local pet shop, but Sharon says it is their secret. Meanwhile, in space, the Rarth warriors are closing in to kill the Meep when the TARDIS materializes aboard. The Rarth are immediately hostile, decapitating Canine and seizing the Doctor. The Doctor passes out, and the Rarth warriors operate on him, implanting a bomb inside his stomach. Sharon and Fudge, meanwhile, hide the Meep at Fudge's house in his bedroom before going off to search for the crashed spaceship. The Doctor recovers consciousness and escapes aboard the TARDIS, just as the Rarth warriors planned. Picking up a news broadcast from Earth, the Doctor realizes a spaceship has crashed there and sets the coordinates. However, he does not realize he has Rarth warriors stowed away on board who plan to detonate the bomb in his stomach as soon as he makes contact with the Meep. Hastily and ineffectually repairing canine, the doctor, plagued by a stomachache, lands the TARDIS at Black Castle's steel mills, then steps out to investigate. Sharon and Fudge are also investigating. Sharon is seized by the Rarth, but the doctor uses the ship's defenses to save her before all three flee back to Fudge's house. The Meep has fully recovered, but the doctor suddenly works out why they were allowed to escape and the significance of his stomachache he has been turned into a living bomb. 
Wrapping his stomach in lead from the roof, the doctor blocks the detonator, or detonation signal. The Rarth plan to wait until dark before moving in for the kill. The Meep explains that the Rarth warriors came to his planet and tortured and killed his people. Now he is the last of his kind, and the warriors plan to destroy him too. As the Rarth move in, the Doctor constructs a fizzgig which projects ultra-white light that drives back the light-sensitive Rarth. However, the Meep shows his true colors when he kills one of the warriors in cold blood. The Rarths swear revenge, and the Doctor, the duplicitous Meep, Sharon, and Fudge are forced to flee. The Doctor, Meep, and Sharon escape on a bus, but the Doctor realizes he must go back to help Fudge and Mrs. Higgins. There, he gains the confidence of the Rarth warriors, Sergeant Zogroth and Constable Zrieg, who explain that the Meeps were originally a peaceful race who mutated into cruel beasts intent on conquest when their world strayed into the influence of a black sun. Eventually, the Star Council ordered the use of biological constructs known as Rarth warriors to end the peril. Only the Meep leader escaped, and now the Doctor realizes it has Sharon in its grasps. The Meep and Sharon gain access to the crashed spaceship, and the Meep uses the strange powers of the ship's energy source to bring unit soldiers and local workers under its control. When the Doctor, Zogroth, and Zrieg enter the mill, they see the workers rebuilding Beep the Meep ship, and Sharon, controlled, at the Meep side. However, when the Doctor attempts to rescue her, she lunges at him, and both of them plunge from a gantry. Landing without harm, Sharon is shaken from the Meep's control, but is distraught to learn that Beep the Meep is evil. The Doctor saves her from Beep's attempt to shoot her and confronts the furry dictator. The Meep plans to star jump from Earth aboard its repaired ship, which will destroy the planet. The Doctor and Sharon escape and attempt to sabotage the ship, but are caught again. Beep activates his ship's black sun drive, and Black Castle is sucked into a black hole with the Doctor at the epicenter. The Rarth rescue the Doctor, who reveals that he reduced the power of the Meep star drive, giving him just enough energy to leave Earth, saving the planet, but destroying the steel mill. The Doctor gets all the humans aboard the TARDIS and takes them home. Then the Rarth board the Meep's ship and arrest the creature. With the gratitude of the Rarth, the Doctor takes Sharon aboard the TARDIS, intent on getting her home. So there you go. There's the story of uh, Doctor Who and the Star Beast. This, it, it's hard to find fault with this story just because it is such a classic story. This is one of the stories uh, from the fourth Doctor and uh, Dave Gibbons' art era that I think if you want to get somebody hooked on being a Doctor Who comic reader, this is a story that you give them. The, the story by Pat Mills and John Wagner is a fun uh, adventure. It is very action-packed right from the get-go and continues that way throughout the entire story. There's lots of twists and turns. The plot twist of having this cute little fuzzy uh, creature turn out to be the, the bad alien, I think, is a, a stroke of genius. Uh, it is something that I don't think uh, has been done prior to that. And it's, it's a wonderful story. Dave Gibbons' artwork, to me, this era of Dave Gibbons' art is some of the best artwork that he ever did in his whole career. Uh, not to say that his art has suffered any as time has gone on. However, the stories in the Fourth Doctor era captured Dave Gibbons doing just amazing artwork. I don't know if it's the fact that this was Dave being new to doing comics and he just let all his creativity and his creative juices and his artistic style flow, whether it was that he was inking his own artwork and made everything look so crisp and clear and, and classic, for lack of a better term. But the, the artwork on Doctor Who and the Star Beast is Dave Gibbons at his, his best. Uh, and it's, it's hard to find fault with the story. I, I, I love the story. It's a story that I've read numerous times as it's been released over the years, and I once again find myself reading it for this episode of Doctor Who Panel to Panel. This is a story that 
If you're a Doctor Who fan, chances are you've read this story, you know what this story is. But for those people who are going to be new to uh, watching Doctor Who and the Star Beast, or the Star Beast, the special that's coming out for the anniversary, make sure you get a copy of this story in, of, in some form into their hands and say, here, check out the original version of this. It's a great way to get some new comic readers in, especially if they're big Doctor Who fans. So, uh, the story, I'd definitely give it two big thumbs up. Make sure you check it out if you have not read Doctor Who and the Star Beast. And make sure you pass it along to uh, those people who are new to finding out about this story. Exterminate! This time around on Doctor Who Panel to Panel to celebrate the anniversary of Doctor Who, we are doing two Into the Matrix reviews. Since we are celebrating all things Beep the Meep, we are going to do another review. And this time around, it's not really a a comic, but it is a tie-in, so I thought I would throw it in. We are going to take a look at a Big Finish audio. This was a special audio. This is an audio called The Ratings War. Uh, This audio was a freebie that was given away on the cover of Doctor Who magazine issue number 313. It actually featured two stories on this. It featured the Ratings War and also the first episode of Invaders from Mars, a story that featured Paul McGann as the Eighth Doctor. But we're going to take a look at the Ratings War. This featured Colin Baker reprising his role as the Sixth Doctor, of course, along with Toby Longworth as Beep the Meep, Robert Jezik as Roger Lowell. Robert Jezik, for those of you who are Babylon 5 fans, would recognize him as Lando Malari. Alastair Locke as Robbie McHale, and Jane Goddard as Lucy. This story was written by Steve Lyons and directed by Gary Russell. Post-production and music by David Darlington. Recording and CD mastering by Alastair Locke. Beep song lyrics by Steve Lyons, composed and performed by Alastair Locke. The story was produced by Jason Hay Ellery and Gary Russell, and Jacqueline Rayner is the executive producer for BBC Worldwide. This story, I believe you can still get it on the BigFinish.com website. You can get it as a uh, download. Uh, It shouldn't cost you hardly anything because it's only about 38 minutes long. But for those of you who want to know what the story is about, here is a plot synopsis. Thanks to DrWhoGuide.com. It's time for the final episode of Audience Shares. And if you don't know what that is, then what on earth have you been watching all this time? Thanks in part to a power failure, which has taken this station's main rivals off the air, over 80% of the country's viewing population has turned in to see which of the two final contestants, Todd or Lucy, will win the grand prize, the chance to become the star of the very own TV docudrama. Show host Robbie McHale whips the already cheering audience into a frenzy as they wait to see who will emerge from the studio doors. It's all thanks to program controller Roger Lowell, who has already overseen the introduction of such innovative programs as Young Cops in Hospital, Wacky Domestic Mishaps, and Look Cute Animals. And tonight, after the final episode of Audience Shares, viewers will see the pilot for his newest series, the children's show Beep and Friends. All indications are that Lowell will have another hit on his hands. Even as Audience Shares begins, however, the doctor is barging into Lowell's office, ostensibly to complain about the poor quality of the programming on his station. Television should inform, educate, and entertain, not pander to the lowest common denominator with a diet of reality TV, docudramas, soap operas, and quiz shows for people with low IQs. Furthermore, the stuffed toy in the corner of Lowell's office appears to be moving by itself. The toy tries to hypnotize the doctor, and after a moment he seems to forget its existence, returning instead to a scathing critique of Lowell's programs. He may be outperforming his rivals, but isn't it odd that so many of his rivals' major on-air personalities have recently died in a series of tragic accidents? The doctor apparently gives up trying to make Lowell see reason, but before he can storm out of the office, the toy locks the door. Having realized that the stranger was not affected by the black star radiation, the toy is using it to control Lowell's mind. Even so, the toy is stunned when the doctor identifies himself, for they have met before, and on each occasion the doctor has defeated this creature, the evil Beep the Meep. 
Once Beep recovers from his shock, he eagerly anticipates the doctor's gruesome death. But the doctor reveals that he picked Beep's pouch and stole his laser pistol. Beep tries to act cute in order to play on the doctor's sentimental side, but it's no use. The doctor knows him for, for the sadistic monster he is, and he knows that Lowell deliberately sabotaged his rival studio to knock them off the air. Beep admits that he's infiltrated the station and altered its programming in order to play on the human race's weakness for cute images and sentimentality, having learned much from the nauseating film in which the doctor imprisoned him during their last encounter, which is actually in the comic strip Star Beast 2. And as long as his rivals try to compete on his terms by showing more of the same programming, he will never be defeated. The Doctor vows to stop Beep from completing his vile plan, but Beep then reveals that he has hostages on the set of appealing animals in distress. The program is broadcast live from a local animal shelter, and if the Doctor takes one more step towards the door or tries to shoot Beep, then Beep will use the remote control in his hand to release corrosive gas into the shelter and kill all of the helpless cute little animals in the most horrible manner possible. Back in the studio, audience shares approaches its climax. Nine weeks ago, ten young volunteers entered the specially equipped studio and began competing to show who had the best media skills. The public voted one underperformer out every week, and now only Todd and Lucy remain. Who will win? Lucy, who invented a scandal from her past and accidentally let her bathrobe slip open on live TV? Or Todd, who kept everyone guessing for weeks whether he would or wouldn't. He wouldn't. As the clock ticks towards 8 o'clock, <clears throat> everyone in a foaming frenzy waiting for the new stars of the future to emerge through the studio doors. Minutes remain, or is it only seconds? The winner will be out any moment now. The doctor knows that he must stop Beep, even if it means the deaths of every animal and person in the shelter. Logically... He must sacrifice the few to save the many. But Beep knows that his sentimentality will also be his downfall, and soon it'll be too late. In the past, Beep has always been too forthright, and has drawn too much attention to himself by enslaving too few people to create a power base. But now, thanks to his manipulations, over 80% of the TV viewing population is watching his station, and when Todd and Lucy merge, from the studio doors, the device which Beep has installed in the control booth will beam subliminal messages out through the program, bringing the entire audience under Beep's control. And immediately afterwards, the pilot episode of Beep and Friends will program uh, his army to kill all those who remain free. Gloating over his victory, Beep loads the first episode of Beep and Friends into a video player so the doctor can watch. As a clutch of animatronic meeps frolic happily on screen, singing a happy song about slaughter and carnage, Beep explains that he escaped from the film in which the doctor trapped him with the help of a darling young girl who worked at the Rarth Institute. She watched the film repeatedly and was terribly moved by the plight of the dear little furry friend who heroically rescued the young boy from the mine shaft after the boy's loyal dog mysteriously broke all of its legs. But she didn't last long after helping her favorite snuggly wuggly woo to escape. The meep delights in telling his story, but though tempted, admits that it would have been a mistake to broadcast tales of his own exploits on his television channel. The audience might have mistaken them for science fiction and had their imagination stimulated, and that would never have done. Beep's plans are about to come to fruition, and as he no longer needs to hold the appealing animals hostage, he prepares to press the button and kill them all. But the doctor shoots the remote out of his hands and reveals that he knew of Beep's presence all along. The advanced TV listings for Beep and Friends were a small clue. He destroyed the subliminal signal unit long ago and only came to Lowell's office to keep Beep occupied so he wouldn't notice. Beep loses his temper when he realizes that he spent months supervising, cloying, overly sentimental programming for nothing, and orders the hypnotized Lowell to attack the doctor. Lowell wrestles away the laser pistol and shoots the doctor, and Beep then takes the pistol back and allows Lowell to regain control of his mind. 
As Lowell sinks back in shock, realizing that he's done, Beep prepares to depart from the Earth after giving his audience one horrible image to remember him by. The deaths of their simpering idols, Todd and Lucy. Todd and Lucy have just emerged into the studio, but Robbie finds it more difficult than he'd anticipated to interview the vacuous Lucy. Beep then arrives, and while Robbie is somewhat thrown by his, this departure from this, his script, he's recovered nicely, assuming that this is a publicity stunt for the upcoming program. But as Beep tries to give Todd and Lucy the very special gift he has for them, the doctor bursts in and attacks him. The furious audience members pull him off the cute little meep, ignoring, ignoring his warnings that the sweet, fury little creature is a homicidal lunatic until Beep pulls out his laser pistol, guns down Todd and Lucy, and flees through the emergency exit. As chaos breaks out in the studio, the doctor pursues Beep and reveals that he jammed a paperclip into the laser pistol's power pack as soon as he took it. It's been decharging energy ever since, and only has enough power for a few weak shots. Thus, the doctor was only stunned when Lowell shot him, and Todd and Lucy are recovering even now. Lowell has sent his security guards to arrest Beep and to twist the knife even further. The doctor admits that he never found the signal unit after all. He was bluffing all along. Beep had his army, but never knew it. And now that Lowell has control of himself again, he will prevent Beep and friends from going out and thus prevent the brainwashed masses from receiving their instructions. Soon they will shake off their conditioning without even knowing it. Those who haven't already been shocked back to their senses by seeing Beep gun down Todd and Lucy on live television. The security guards drag the enraged Beep off. Soon a representative of the Rarth prison will be in touch with them, and Beep the Meep will be back where he belongs. Back in the studio, Robbie reports that Beep and Friends has been put on hiatus for 18 months, and that the recovering Todd has vowed to make a TV movie about his ex experiences. The phones are ringing off the hook, but it seems that nobody's interested in Todd or Lucy. Instead, the viewing audience wants to see more of this mysterious doctor, but the doctor turns down Robbie's request for an interview. In its current state, television just can't do him justice. He needs a new medium in which to express himself fully. But rest assured, we'll be hearing more from him in the future. So there you go. There's the plot synopsis, uh, the whole thing for the ratings war. Um, those of you who are not into audios, I thought might want to hear what that whole story was about. And um, my review of the story, I dug out my CD, I put it into my car, and I listened to it uh, while I was driving around one day. And this story really lives up. Uh, it came out back in 2002, kind of back in the heights of reality TV, which I'm sure is where Steve Lyons got the uh, the idea for the story. And this story was a lot of fun. It's a, it's a good, fun, um, just a, a romp of a story. Having the having Beep show up again after all this time, I thought was a really good treat. Steve Lyons, as you can tell by by listening to this story, is a huge fan of Beep the Meep, and it was nice to see the how this story progressed and the different kind of plot twists that went on. Uh, it definitely had, for me, it had a, a good fun Sixth Doctor feel as the the Sixth Doctor seems to almost be playing with Beep the Meep through this story as Beep has this plan and the doctor uh, does something to stop Beep's uh, evil advance. And then they you find out later on that, no, he actually was bluffing that whole time and this is what he did instead. It was a, a good, fun story. Uh, like I said, you can probably find it on the Big Finish website. I haven't had a chance to check, but I bet you can get it there. It's an easy to, to buy and download uh, file to listen to and if you're a fan of beep the meep you definitely should uh check it out today on dr who panel the panel i have the extreme pleasure of welcoming ed hammond to the program ed thank you for joining me today oh thanks jeremy it's uh it's good to be here uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with with ed hammond's name he is a senior editor for panini and he is somebody who has uh, recently worked on a lot of the Doctor Who uh, comic collections that have come out. Um, Ed, uh, how how did you come to work for Panini and how did you get to your position? 
Well, I actually, I mean, I've been, I've been with Panini now for um, just over 20 years. Uh, oh, wow. I started, yeah, I started in uh, 2002 um, just as a junior editor, uh, just really working on the sort of a, uh, more on the sort of children's magazine side of uh, the Panini business. So doing okay. things like, um, I mean, all sorts of things of Power Rangers, Digimon, uh, things like that. And then eventually I moved on to uh our spider-man magazine uh that we used to do in the uk well, we still do in the uk um okay. but back back in those days we used to have a lot more originated comic strip in it so this was this was spider-man comics we were originating uh in the uk so yeah so i worked on that for um quite quite a while okay uh and then eventually from there sort of moved on to working on the sort of graphic novel side of the business so i still i still do a little bit of uh magazine stuff every now and then but mainly i mean at the moment uh, a lot of my a lot of my workload is just sort of working on the graphic novels. Um, I've kind of in the last sort of decade or so, a lot of a lot of what I've been doing is uh, projects that we do with a company called Hachette, who are a, a partworks company, um, yeah. and they've and they've done a sort of a, a collection of uh, the well, well, the first collection they did was one called the Ultimate Graphic Novel Collection, which was a a huge collection. I think eventually it was about three hundred books of sort of a, a best of Marvel graphic novel collection. So there's, okay. there's various things like that, that I sort of, uh, yeah, that keep me busy, but yeah, yeah, now I'm, now I'm on sort of, uh, the world of Dr. Who as well, which, uh, is brilliant. <laughs> so, so are, so since you work on the Dr. Who collections, are you a Dr. Who fan? Have you been a Dr. Who fan? Um, I am. I'm certainly not, uh, as he, I mean, I'm, well, I'm, I'm 43. So my kind of, uh, my first sort of doctor was really Sylvester McCoy. Sure. Um, that's where I kind of first sort of started watching, and I kind of, I kind of sort of probably started watching probably with those uh, last two McCoy series before before uh-huh. the um, before the hiatus, shall we say? So I yeah. kind of, yeah, I started, yeah, I started getting into to Doctor Who. Kind of, I would have been like sort of, I don't know, ten, eleven at that age. So kind of just when you start to get into Doctor Who, and then suddenly it was not there anymore. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so kind of, so it sort of faded away, and then. When I sort of started, I mean, I watched the TV movie when it was when it was on, and, and uh-huh. that was all that was all very exciting. Um, and then, yeah, it wasn't really until uh, I started at Panini um, and sort of talking to the doc- and then realizing that Doctor Who magazine was still going and it was still a thing, and there was still this whole kind of like Doctor Who had existed even without the TV series for the last decade, and it was yeah. all sort of all still there. So that was that was wonderful. Um, and discovering there are all these other sort of the comic the comic strips, especially mm-hmm. um, that they've been running in Doctor Who magazine. Uh, and yeah, and then when the new series came back, um, of course I was immediately hooked and back in again, yeah. and you know, uh-huh. and there sort of thing. So I've kind of I'm doing a lot of kind of going back and rediscovering stuff um, with Doctor Who. But uh, yeah, no, I'm definitely. Definitely, definitely been a fan. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, it's it's great to go back and watch some of that old stuff mm-hmm. and, and and see the charm and the, you know, the how how wonderful it was. You know, for even back in the day. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so for for the Doctor Who collections, um, how long ago did you start working on those? And like, what, do you remember what your first collection was that you uh, helped put together and assemble? So it was really sort of since. Um, it's really since the sort of first COVID lockdown that uh that I started working on the on the collection. So the actual okay. the Daleks, the the Dalek Ultimate Strip collection was the first one that sort of okay. uh I worked on. Um which was which was great. I mean it, it really was a sort of a that was that was a steep learning curve on Doctor Who <laughs> a comic strip, but I mean an incredible one, definitely. It was it was so much fun sort of going back and I didn't I didn't quite I always knew that there was like so many top creators have worked on on the doctor who comic strip but not actually you know it really is just like the cream of british comic strip uh-huh. um artists and writers are in there somewhere it's fantastic yeah i um, love it yeah uh can can you go a little bit into the the background of how that book came into being um was it uh, a project that panini wanted to do just because Kind of by the time we reached that point, all the the regular Doctor Who comic strips have been reprinted in some way, shape, or form, and except for those like those backup strips that a lot of us uh, comic strip fans know and love, and wanted to see those out in collection form. Sure, yeah, I mean, it really was. We were just we were looking for a new way to kind of reprint um, the old material, and it just seemed we sure. thought, well, we we've done it by you know we've done it by volume. Let's try doing it by sort of a by character almost um mm-hmm. so yeah so daleks seemed the obvious choice 
Oh, definitely. Um, to start with it. And as you say, it meant we could then give us an excuse to put some of the backup strips into um, into the collections as well, which is great. But uh, I mean, we're, we're certainly uh, it, with the backup strips, there should be more happening with those soon, should I say. Um, okay. There's, 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 it's looking like we're, we're finally, finally next year, there should be some, some things happening with them, let's say. Um, awesome. Which, which is going to make fans very happy. Um, um. But yes. Uh, <laughs> and, um, but yeah, it was just really, it really honestly, it was just, it was just a case of just trying to find a new way to, okay. to repackage the material. And, and, you know, people seem to like having all the stories there together and, it seems to work quite well. Yeah. Um, can, can you tell us a little bit about kind of the the process that goes into representing those comic strips? Like the take a look at the the two volume set of the Daleks, for example. A lot of those, the more recent comic strips would have been done um, digitally or ones that have been reprinted in various different other Panini volumes will have been already scanned and, and cleaned up and processed. But what does it take to go into doing uh representing those backup strips where you don't have like the original artwork or anything to go from uh, blood sweat and tears it's <laughs> a, it is a um i mean uh perry godbold is our designer who's um cleans up the material and she is incredible i mean it literally is a case of we have to track down the comics scanning the original art pages and then she just goes in cleans out all the paper um and just literally painstakingly sometimes pixel by pixel remaking the uh uh-huh. the artwork itself where there's things that are faded or scratched or that sort of thing but no she's a real she's incredible the the sort of the level of detail she goes into with the pages um but yeah it's just it's just a lot of a lot of painstaking photoshop work basically going in and and recreating it um sometimes sometimes we're lucky and we have uh collectors may have an original page of art um which we can kind of they, they they'll agree to sort of lend to us so we can borrow so we can scan it in sure. and we can use that but um yeah a lot of this i mean 90 percent of the time it is just it is just scans from the old comic strip mm-hmm. and then just cleaned up and uh restored digitally okay um yeah you know uh the the dalek strip uh the collections that have come out just to me they look amazing you know the the work that is put into cleaning up those strips mm-hmm. and just making them look uh like they're brand new uh just is incredible to to see and uh some of those old backup strips i haven't even read yet so it's nice to have to me fresh new material to read yes yeah i bet no absolutely and then they're really i mean david lloyd's artwork i'm a a big fan of david lloyd anyway Mm -hmm. um and i just i think that early stuff is just brilliant really really wonderful stuff I, i think he's everything kind of He's, 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 there's such a variety of things that he did in those backup strips and so many different sort of all, all the different monsters and he, he just captures them all perfectly. He's just, it's just brilliant. And he's got a slightly, um, it's his, it's his, even early on the sort of the noirish style that he's got is, is there and it just gives, it just gives them a slightly different sort of feel to the, to the other kind of, to the sort of the other earlier kind of Doctor Who comic strips. They definitely mm-hmm. feel, they, they feel almost a little bit sort of, you know, they are a bit of tales of the unexpected, a little bit sort of a, a little bit, a little bit different to the to the to the other main comic strip, definitely. Yeah, exactly. That's that's one of the things that I love about them is that they a lot of them have a different feel. They mm. it's it's uh, almost kind of looking at a a part of the Doctor Who universe through a totally different camera lens, yes, and, and yeah. a different storytelling style, uh, which makes them just that much more interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. No, it's all good stuff. All good stuff. But hopefully, oh. yes, as I say, more of them will be coming out soon. <laughs> yeah. Um, is it, when it gets into getting for those backup strips, or um, I'm assuming not so much for like the regular strips, um, but for the backup ones, do you have to get a hold of like the writers and artists to get their permission to to reprint those? Is it kind of a shared copyright, kind of like the the monsters and characters and the doctor who are it's well, it all, i think it's all everything's basically because it was um done under marvel uk it's all copyright marvel uk so okay. um yeah so it's it's um yeah so there's there's not any sort of any okay. rights so you basically just have to, you just have to decide what you want to put out into a collected form and do it yes yeah pretty much okay. yeah um and apparently the i'm i'm was the plan always to do the the two dalek volumes 
and then a Cyberman volume as well? Or was it kind of dependent on how well the Dalek book did if to do uh, like a Cyberman one? We, yeah, really, it kind of depended on, you know, we were hoping the Dalek book was going to fly. Um, uh-huh. And it's, it's, it certainly did well enough that we, we sort of went on to, on to Cybermen. Um, where we go from here <laughs> is a, is a question of whether we, whether we do another uh, monster theme volume or not uh, sure. is, 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 a, is a, is a question, but it, it's, it's quite tricky to find another kind of, there's, there's characters we could do another themed uh, volume two, but mm-hmm. it's, is debatable whether or not it will, it will work but um, yeah but you know there's there's options there definitely yeah uh, but, um, i i know the the uh cyberman volume i think just came out or is going to be coming out over in the uk uh it's a ways off here in the states but i'm really looking forward to seeing it uh for several different things one the the cover is amazing oh isn't um, it incredible yeah it just <laughs> it's, it's, i i enjoy yeah. just spending you know 10 15 minutes just looking over all the different characters that are on that cover mm. and going, oh i know what that story is i know what that story is um and for me cybermen are my favorite doctor who monsters uh oh, yeah, they, sur- they surpass daleks to, to mm. me and mm. and i know the stories that are going to be included in that book are some of my favorite uh doctor who comic strips that uh, that dwm has ever put out so mm. it's a great it's a great i mean as much as yeah, I, I think I'd I'd agree with you that the Cybermen are definitely <laughs> definitely you know everyone loves a Dalek, but really Cybermen are just there's something about them that's just a bit more kind of uh-huh. intriguing. And you've got oh, you've got you've got Junkyard Demon in that collection. You've got yep. oh you've got um yep. the the Flood, which I think is everybody's oh, the, favorite. I mean, absolutely. I was just going to say the Flood is <laughs> absolutely. I mean, the Flood was one of those funny things that you know when I first like I say when I first started at Panini. Um, it was only a few years after that Doctor Who came back and talking to uh, to Clayton at the time and to Scott when they were sort of saying about, oh, you know, the series is coming back. And mm-hmm. they said, you know, this is going to be our last Paul McGann adventure. Oh, there's a possibility, you know, we might be able to do the regeneration at the end and all that sort of thing, whether it's yeah. going to happen or not. It just it was so exciting. It was uh-huh. really, really sort of interesting to see that coming out every month and seeing sort of what was going to how it was going to transpire really really quick yeah no the, the flood is just is just fantastic i think yeah yeah it's just, just brilliant definitely uh one of the other uh books that's going to be coming out here uh shortly uh right before the anniversary as far as i remember the release date is uh the fourth doctor anthology the first volume of that um, it is i mean I'm, I'm literally uh sending sending it off to the princess this afternoon so uh it's uh it's it's on its way definitely oh that's awesome um mm. to you know to, to me when with uh the star beast showing up on uh doctor who on tv yes. um what what was the thought from panini as to how to bring that the the star beast story back into print because it hasn't been really in print for quite some time um well i guess you've done reprints of that that fourth doctor volume but it's been a while. Uh, what was the kind of the Panese idea of how should we put this back out there? Because people will probably be interested in reading it if they find out that the Star Beast, the TV episode, is based on the comic strip. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's it. As soon as we, as soon as we found out um, about Star Beast being the first of the specials, we, yeah, we had, we had, we knew we had to get it out there somehow. Um, mm-hmm. And so previously, the fourth Doctor material. I mean, the last time we did it was Iron Legion, and the Dragon's Claws collection. And they were, goodness me, what fifteen years ago? A long, long, ta- a long, long time ago. Possibly even longer. <laughs> yeah. So there's not been a good collection out. You know, it's not been a, a complete collection out for a while. Um, uh-huh. And we just, and um, we just thought, well, let's let's try and do a complete anthology, as it were, of of the entire sort of fourth Doctor, that initial fourth Doctor run. Put okay. it all together and. Um, yeah, and there we go. And okay. obviously, Star Beast is in there, and you know, it makes. I think it makes. I mean, it's a hefty collection. It's it's over three hundred pages, but it's. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's definitely a. I mean, yeah, you got lots of classic, uh, you know, fourth Doctor stories in there. Was it? Mm-hmm. Was there a lot of work involved in into putting together that volume? I'm assuming that all the artwork's already been cleaned up from the, like you said, the Iron Legion and the Dragon's Claw collections. It's just kind of representing it. Yeah, I mean, it was relatively, relatively simple to put together because it was effectively we're just sort of, um, just sort of reprinting uh, the same material that's already been sort of digitally mm-hmm. cleaned up. I mean, tracking it down was slightly. I mean, we've we've moved offices uh, a number of times. Okay. Uh, since since those books first came out, and um, and 
are certain things that get sort of like stored away and archived and, and mm-hmm. various things. You're trying to track them down where where the original files for things were. But eventually we got there. <laughs> it's all it's all it's all it's all there now. So well, I, I, I'm I for one, I'm looking forward to that volume coming mm-hmm. out. You know, I I have all the collected editions sitting on my bookshelf, and uh, but I'm always up for a new presentation, and um, I'm I'm hoping that this volume does very well, so that we get subsequent volumes of not just the fourth doctor but continuing on with the fifth doctor and sixth doctor i I would love to see a nice uniform collection of everything all sitting on my bookshelf yeah i mean that would be that would be ideal if we can literally just go fourth doctor fifth doctor then literally everything almost like a complete doctor who magazine archive in order sort of thing Mm -hmm. i know sort of with the with the with the kind of existing collections that's how it started but then it kind of went off to things being you know some of them yeah. some of the collections are for, for understandable reasons some of the collections it's sure. sort of a piecemeal and and sort of a so we can have a nice mix of things that uh were new and things that needed reprinting sort of thing um, yeah. or, or remastering sorry should i say um but yeah but now we've got all that material effectively there it would be great to have the idea i think is if we can carry it on to have pretty much now obviously this moves forwards in order Mm-hmm. Um, as it as it was in Doctor Who magazine, so sure. So for all of you listening out there that love the collected editions, make sure you buy your copies as they come out to yes. to show your support. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> keep, keep buying, and then we can carry on doing more. Yeah, yep. <laughs> I, I'm all in favor of that. Um, <laughs> so the uh, one of the questions I have for you, being mm-hmm. the the editor for these, it's a it's something that all of us Doctor Who comic fans have talked about. Um, Panini doing reprints of pre-Doctor Who magazine comic strips. Um, I know there the the people that I've talked to, whether it be Doctor Who magazine editors or uh, people that have worked on uh, the comics, um, it always seems to be kind of a sticking point that they want to have be able to get the original artwork of uh, stuff from like TV 21, mm-hmm. for example, mm-hmm. the third Doctor stuff uh, is the stuff I'm thinking of mainly. Um, to to re to uh, get scans of those in order to do a proper reprint of those. Um, talking to you now about d- reprinting or doing uh, collected editions of the backup strips, where you are doing that, basically taking the original strip and cleaning it up. Um, I know for like the third Doctor strips, it would be a bit more of a challenge due to the fact that it's all color artwork as opposed to black and white. Yeah. Yeah. But there is, I, there, Oh, go ahead. So no, no, sorry. Sorry. I was going to say there is, yeah, there is a, a slight sort of, um, technically it's slightly more difficult when it's, when mm-hmm. it's the sort of color strip. Um, and there's also, uh, the slight sort of with some of the strips, uh, the fact that they, they run across, uh, a DPS and you have problems where, say you have a, a word balloon because of the way sure. they originally printed a word balloon that falls what would effectively be in the gutter so yeah. that kind of you know you have to decide well are we going to move that or is there another way we can present these these strips or what are mm-hmm. we going to do there sort of thing um but yeah we have talked about the early the early stuff and whether to whether to sort of look at um reprinting that it, it's it's kind of it's on the it's on the wish list shall we say okay. of, of projects to sort of yeah we just need to try and work out whether or not we can we can do it the right way and uh yeah and not sort of um and get it out there uh sure. in, in in the right sort of package basically uh-huh. but um yeah certainly certainly it's not something we've got down in the program at the moment but it's definitely something we've 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 looked at we're as we're as keen to try and get them out there at some point as as uh as we know lots uh-huh. of readers are to, to see them yeah, I, I I know there's a a lot of us, myself included, that would love to see, especially mm-hmm. the, the third Doctor uh, strips, just because those stories are very solid, uh, well told stories. And um, a while back, DWM did a special issue about the '70s, and yeah. uh, you find folks did a reprint of one of the the John Pertwee comic strips where you did that. Uh, you took the strip and. Uh, represented it by and and did move the word balloons out of the gutter and readjusted the artwork and it looked amazing it, to mm-hmm. me it was kind of it showed that it can be done to to take a, a strip like tv 21 and and readjust things and still make it look very much like the original strip was but um put it together in such a way that you could do a collection of that 
yeah we it's yeah it, I, th I think we i think it, it can be done definitely um and yeah the one they did in doctor who magazine look, looks really good mm -hmm. they did a good they did a great job on that definitely um well yeah we we shall see <laughs> wait, wait and see is probably the best well best, i'm, best I'm crossing my fingers right now yeah so I'll, I'll keep i'll keep them crossed until i see uh news that uh on the horizon that might come that may come out um so with the collections do you also work on have you been working on like the the uh 13th factor collected editions where you put the take the strips from the the magazine and and put them together into a collection I have yes, we've we've actually um, just started uh, on f finally getting the Thirteenth Doctor, uh, the last of the Thirteenth Doctor strips uh, together. Okay. Um, so that's so hopefully next year at some point. I mean, hopefully soon there'll be an announcement. Um, but we should, I think, we're aiming for next year for those to come out. So finally, we'll get um, the third, the, the two. We split across two two more volumes, and that will be the completion of the uh, of the Thirteenth Doctor uh comic strips and okay. i believe a few other outstanding bits and bobs from the uh from from the who archive that haven't yet been uh reprinted um and that and yeah certainly by the second volume that should be pretty much everything now back in print in one format or another um, okay from from doctor who magazine's uh history apart from bar the backup strips but as i say backup strips maybe Mm -hmm. we should we shall see <laughs> maybe, maybe a separate announcement about that <laughs> well yeah i i think all, all of us uh readers of dr who magazine that uh, are fans of the comic strip would love to see uh everything that has been in dr who magazine be reprinted and, mm -hmm. and collected in one way or another you know whether it be sneaking into a 13th factor volume or uh taking what's left of uh the the backup strips and whatever else um, there may be and putting a, a odds and sods or you know a, a, a collection of miscellaneous stuff like that that would be that, an awesome way yeah. of kind of rounding things out that's it i mean i mean they, we may end up with a collection that's there's a bit of an all sorts sort of multi-doctor collection but it's you know uh -huh. it'll it, it's it, it'll complete everything it'll, it'll make people happy definitely when they see it when they see it all there um and i, I just see i think it's great that we're finally getting the 13th doctor uh strips sort of it was such a shame that you know i mean obviously yeah. obviously there, there are way worse things going on when covid hit but it was yeah, it was yeah such, definitely <laughs> yeah but it was such a shame that it kind of interrupted the sort of uh the graphic novels in that way and the sort of various projects and that they had to drop the strip from um from the uh from the collection sort of thing yeah. it was it was great sort of planning the planning the books for next year sort of going back and rereading them again things like um I mean Scott Gray's uh, White Dragon. Strip yeah. my, I, I think that's 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 up there with one of my favourite Doctor Who strips. I think I yep. think it, was a, it was such a classic. You know, it was it was proper Doctor Who. It had historical context. It had <laughs> historical characters in it, and it uh -huh. was also also had aliens and also had like this wonderful adventure. It, I think I think Scott did such a wonderful job there. Of, of obviously, he always gets the Doctor, always gets the Doctor, but he had such yeah. a great just understanding of Bruce Lee as well, and then also. Mm -hmm. Um, just the way all the other characters and the companions interacted with uh, with him, which is I thought brilliant. I thought it was such a yeah. such a great strip, and it was so nice to see Scott drawing the strip as well as uh, as well as writing it. Um, yeah, that was something you don't see very often. Usually, he's no. busy uh, writing it, and somebody else is doing the the art chores. But yeah, it was neat to see him do kind of a all in one story. It all to me it. it added that much more to the story to to see that he was able to come up with all you know visually what he wanted to tell as well yes yeah i mean scott i i think scott is one of the i mean he'll hate me for saying this but i, I there's not many people i know who know as much about the actual technical understanding and the craft of making a comic strip as, as scott it's been like working with him for um the last sort of uh well 20 years i mean he, he really intrinsically understands what makes a comic strip work and you only I mean, you can see it in his doctor who stuff um yep. but he just he he is it's fascinating you can sort of when we were when we were sort of doing um uh various things on on certainly was working on Spider-Man magazine. He he uh, wrote a 
he wrote a wonderful 11-page Spider-Man story um, for me that was a sort of a play on It's a Wonderful Life and basically Spider-Man goes to another dimension where there's no Spider-Man and it's all the sort of classic villains have taken over um, and eventually Spider-Man obviously saves the day and comes back and and all the rest of it. But it was, it was a really, working with him on that was a really fascinating kind of going back and forth and, and honing the story and just, and his sort of breakdowns and sort of, who was it drew it it was a uh it was john ross drew it um, oh, okay and going yeah going back on the uh, so back and forth with scott on the artwork and he'll see things and, and and notice little things just the smallest little things they'll change this change that panel do this and it makes such a big difference to the sort of overall i mean i've, I've learned a lot about like i say the, the actual craft of making comic strips from scott he really is a it's yeah it, it's <laughs> impressive how much he knows let's put it that way um yeah it's certainly it's certainly it's certainly education working with him yeah, and he he's he is a master storyteller, whether mm, whether it be the, the the script or the the comic. I, there's so many good uh, Doctor Who comic strips that he has done over the years. So many Eighth yes, Doctor strips yeah. and stories that are just uh, very inspirational and just uh, uh, ones that you can read over and over again mm. and just enjoy every single time. That's it. There's so much depth. There's so much clever sort of. Um... Just taking clever ideas and and sort of running with them. Um, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I love the the idea of the Sycorax wives. That was one of his. Wasn't yeah. It? Was, yes, that was yep. one of his, wasn't it? Yes, in the Widow's yep. Curse. Yes. Absolutely. Uh-huh. <laughs> not, not putting that down. Strong, but that was such a brilliant idea. And and things like you know, Children of the Revolution, having you know these sort of Daleks that are worshiping the Doctor almost, and it's just brilliant. Love it. Yeah. So much yep. great stuff. Yeah. So much good stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, there, there's definitely lots of good stuff in the collections that have uh, been coming out from Panini lately. Um, I I know I'm looking forward, like I said, to the Cyberman uh, collection coming out. Uh, give me a, a, a reason to reread a lot of those classic Cyberman stories and the uh, Fourth Doctor anthology that's coming out. Make sure everybody buys a copy so that we get more of those and uh, get kind of fresh new reprints of all those classic uh, Doctor Who comic strips. Uh, Ed, uh, I. I should send you a picture of my bookshelf or my bookcase <laughs> that has all my collections. Um, the For me, I, I get Doctor Who magazine on a regular basis. Um, and I have since back in 1988 when I first started buying Doctor Who magazine. But for me, having the collections on my on my shelf where whenever I want to read a story, just being able to go and pull it off my shelf and, and flip to the story and read it. Uh, I, I enjoy the Doctor Who comic strips so much just because of being able to do that and you're you're part of the reason why you're the one who has been putting the collections together so thank you oh, for all your hard work you and your team um uh, perry right. and, and and company and uh, uh keep putting out the books and uh i know uh, myself and a lot of us fans will keep on buying them excellent yes we all do no definitely there's like i say there's, there's more there's more good stuff to come definitely next year it's going to be a it's going to be a well it's going to be a bumper year for doctor who anyway but certainly in terms of the uh the collected comic editions it's going to be a it's going to be a good year oh that's great that's great to hear and uh you'll be hearing from me probably in a year's time to uh, chat about whatever is coming out so ed hammond thank you very much for joining me on dr who panel the panel today oh that's great you're welcome jeremy thank you very much Many thanks to Doctor Who Collected Edition editor Ed Hammond for joining me on this episode of Panel to Panel. Uh, It was a great pleasure to chat with uh, Ed about the books that have come out recently from uh, Panini and kind of get an idea of what's on the horizon for them. I'm really looking forward to that fourth Doctor Collected Edition coming out over here in the States. It should be hitting uh, newsstands over in the UK as this episode comes out, so be on the lookout for it. And... I think it would be great for them to, with the a lot of the Doctor Who collected editions that have come out over the years from Panini, being long out of print, it would great, be great to see new editions, uh, nice formatted books that you could uh, buy now and that feature all of the Doctors from the fourth Doctor on up that uh, Doctor Who comic fans could, could pick up. It's almost like the uh, Blu-rays that are coming out for classic Doctor Who. This is kind of the Panini version of a Blu-ray set. Um, so uh, I hope to that these continue on. I hope the fourth Doctor book sells gangbusters and we get a lot more people reading Doctor Who comics. Thank you all for downloading this episode of Doctor Who Panel to Panel. I hope you enjoyed listening to it. 
And in a couple weeks' time, we will have another new episode. And uh, we'll definitely be celebrating the 60th anniversary of our favorite TV program and one of my favorite comic books to read uh, day in and day out. So until next time, thanks. This is Jeremy Bumet saying bye. Doctor Who Panel to Panel, the podcast about Doctor Who comics, thanks you for downloading this episode. Let us know what you thought about this episode or of Doctor Who comics in general. You can find us socially on Facebook at Doctor Who Panel to Panel, on Twitter at Doctor Who P2P, 2 being the number 2, and online at DoctorWhoComics.com. Download previous episodes via your favorite podcast service and find the complete catalog of episodes featuring amazing interviews with creators past and present at archive.org. Just search for Doctor Who Panel to Panel. Thank you.